All right. Hey, what's up, guys? I'm Jacob Kaufman. I'm in the street, and I'm here today with Michael. Hello. And we are here with episode 14 of the Nerd in the Street podcast. Uh, how's it going, Michael? Pretty good. How are you? I'm fine. So, yeah, going to kick it off today with some camera talk. I actually don't have any planned, like, specific things I want to talk about, but I now know some basic things about DSLR cameras. As yesterday, I went to research them, and then I researched them for a few hours, and then I looked at my clock, and then it was midnight. So I researched DSLRs for about five or six hours. Nice. So yeah, um, I've been looking for a better video camera to get because, you know, my phone, while acceptable in the past, I've been getting annoyed, not with its quality, but just with how often it stops recording, like in the middle of recording and then it messes stuff up. Yeah, I remember when I remember when we did the server videos, I think it stopped like 20 times. Yeah, it's yeah, I, I can't have that kind of stuff going on you know, when I'm trying to make videos. So yeah, I've been looking at new cameras to get. The first thing I did was I wanted to get a 4K camera. Um, and Michael knows what 4K is, but I some people out there actually don't know what 4K is. I was talking to my mom this morning and she didn't know what 4K was. So when someone says they want a 4K camera, most cameras are HD 1080p um, or full HD also means 1080p. And that means that there are... 19,020 pixels horizontally and uh, 1,080 pixels vertically in the video, every frame. And 4K video has four times as many as that. And I actually am looking up the exact resolution right now. Um, so 3840 by 2160 is officially 4K resolution, although it's not actually 4,000 pixels. There's something called Cinema 4K that's 4096 by 2160, but that's actually wider than most monitors because most monitors are 16 to 9 aspect ratio. So yeah, um, I wanted a 4K camera, and I went and looked up like my favorite five YouTubers and looked up what all of them used, and all of them used cameras that were actually over $10,000. Yeah, once you get above 1080p, it starts to get really expensive really fast. Yeah, yeah. Uh, in January, Sony actually released the world's cheapest 4K camera. It is currently on sale for just $1,800. And I'd really, I would love to get that, but I don't have enough money for that yet. And I need a camera. Like, I, I don't want to settle. I don't want to wait another year because my phone has prohibited me from making enough videos to where it would be bad for production if I didn't have a real camera. So yeah, I was taking a look at mainly um, camcorders and DSLRs. And camcorders are made for taking video, DSLRs are made for taking pictures. Um, which, you know, initially I was like, oh, well those must not be very good for videos. But a lot of people who can't afford 4K, you know, $50,000 cameras use DSLRs for higher quality video than camcorders would give them. So yeah, do you know anything about DSLRs? Um, I've done a lot less research on DSLRs than I have camcorders. I do know that they do work. DSLRs do work for video, but there's there's issues. And if I believe, I know I heard somewhere that if you leave the shutter on a DSLR open for too long, it can damage the camera. Plus, there's other issues like if you want to do like live streaming or something from that camera, a lot of them 
I mean, they don't want you to buy that. They want you to buy the more expensive camcorders for doing stuff like that. So they, if you want to take HDMI out of the camera or something like that, it leaves like, you know, the little record light or some of the other stuff that's on the screen. You can't get a clean feed from a DSLR. But other than, I have not done a ton of research on DSLRs. Yeah. Yeah, some of the, the camcorders that I was looking at weren't even ones that supported live streaming, like the cheap... Not cheap, obviously. $2,000 is not cheap, but um, like that Handycam, I don't think officially supported live streaming. It just had the HDMI out, which might or might not be a live feed. But um, yeah, DSLRs, I went and I tried looking up like DSLRs on Amazon, and none of them had lenses on them. They just had sensors, and I didn't know what a sensor was. So I was like, why are these cameras photoshopped to have squares in the middle of them? So yeah. Um, DSLRs are digital cameras that are basically when you get the camera, it's just a box. And sometimes it's shaped like a camera, sometimes it's not. But yeah, they have sensors on them. I know if you like put the sensor in sunlight and leave it there for too long, then it can damage the sensor. You generally want to have a cap over the sensor or you want a lens on the sensor. But yeah, the sensor is what takes light rays and transfers them into electronic signals. And then there's processors within the camera that put those electronic signals into video files. And the processor is what you mainly have to worry about when you're talking about video with DSLRs. If you've got a fast enough processor to handle taking 30 pictures per second, then you're going to be okay, generally. So yeah, the sensor is part of what determines the quality of a DSLR. The sensor, you know, there are different sensors some of them have like autofocus and some of them don't some of them have different quality materials and different build qualities for them i have no idea about any of the build qualities or how any of that works i'm still very much in the dark about what makes a sensor a good sensor or a bad sensor but i do know that some sensors capture the entire frame while some sensors are the the ones that capture the whole frame are called full frame sensors and then you have cropped sensors and most of the cheaper DSLRs have cropped sensors, which means that you get a more cropped image when you're looking through, which isn't necessarily a bad thing. You just have to set your camera farther away from whatever you're looking at. I personally don't, I don't know that much about the sensors either. I, when I research cameras, it's more for, I'm just looking at what, what the resolution is, is can I get it into a video switcher? Cause that can be more of a problem than you think it can be sometimes and I just I just like researching that kind of stuff I again I do a lot of I told the last time I mentioned that uh I do a lot of the stuff at church and we use Sony cameras which what brand of camera were you looking at uh well for handycams I was looking at Sony because they're the leading you know company and handycams and camcorders but I was looking mainly at Canon for DSLRs because Canon is the leading company in terms of DSLRs Canon does make some pretty good camcorders, though. Yeah, they do. I was thinking if I was going to get a camcorder, then Sony has, like, ones that are priced the same as the Canon ones anyway. But yeah, I, I don't know for sure what I'm going to get yet. I personally have never seen anybody complain about Sony. They seem to be pretty um, reputable. Yeah. yeah, I've got a Sony Handycam actually in this room, but it's a 480p Handycam, so, you know. I made I made a few videos with that early on in the channel's history. 
Um, so yeah, your resolution is going to be, I think it's determined by the sensor. So if I get a 1080p DSLR, then I will not be able to upgrade that to 4K without getting another DSLR. However, um, DSLRs are very modular. They don't come with lenses, like I said, and they also don't come with like accessories and things. But normally, you can upgrade your DSLR, or keep all of your lenses and stuff, and just like I could upgrade to a 4K DSLR later. Um, but yeah, you've got the whole lens thing that now you have to buy, worry about buying a separate lens. So I researched lenses. The longer a lens is, the more zoomed in it's going to be, and the shorter the lens is, the the more of the frame is going to be exposed to the sensor, so the more that you'll see in the video. When you zoom your lens in, then the lens actually gets physically longer. And also, when you focus, it sort of does. Not sure how that works. But yeah, um, most DSLRs do not have autofocus, so that's something. Or the ones that do like its crappy autofocus. I feel like that wouldn't be too much of a problem though. Like for what I do, I sit down at a desk so I can just focus it to where I'm sitting. It might take some trial and error, but it, like I'm, it's not like I'm tracking moving things a lot. The one time we uh, we did do a video shoot at church where we used both of our higher end like Sony video cameras, like five thousand dollar video cameras, and we did actually use a DSLR as well for like uh, secondary shots and stuff like that. And it, it looked fine. I mean, they, they take good video. It, it's just not the recommended way to do it. Yeah. Yeah, that's something I see a lot as YouTubers start out with DSLRs and then later when they upgrade, then they use the DSLRs for B-roll. So yeah, I looked at different lenses and which lenses would be better. And apparently, like, the lenses that come with DSLRs, sometimes you can get a free lens with your DSLR that's called a kit lens. And those are supposed to be crappy. Um, but a kit lens is better than no lens since you need a lens for your camera to work. So, yeah, I might start out with a kit lens and then possibly upgrade later if I even need to. Because, you know, I'm not, like, I'm not super-duper into quality. I'm not a quality... I'm. <laughs> I am a quality-centric person, but, you know, I I don't notice fine details way too much, but I do want something that's decent. So, yeah, I was looking at, I think that the most premium-level DSLR I would be able to afford would be the Canon, the Rebel T5i, which is also, in, in other countries, is known as the 700D. And that is, it's only 1080p. Which, like I said, you, you're going to have to stick with 1080p if you don't really have a budget. Um, it's available for $700, I want to say. Um, yeah, with a I'm kit looking at it right off now. Of Amazon. Yeah, is it $700? Uh, it's $700 B&H. Yeah, so I was looking at possibly that. It, I would have to pay for part of that, and then part of it would be a Christmas present. I wouldn't get the whole thing for Christmas. But, um, yeah, the thing is, like... If I were to get a DSLR, then I would be invested because now I have to get, you know, accessories and and stands and things for DSLRs and lenses and things. So in the future, when I get another camera, I would probably be more likely to get a DSLR. Whereas if I got a Handycam, then I could just upgrade to another Handycam in the future. But when you get a Handycam, it's all in one package. You don't have to worry about a lens. You don't have to worry about... Um, normally, they come with, like, an SD card that's sizable enough if you get them right from Sony or whoever. So yeah, thinking about what I want to do. I can't tell if, if I can get 
a feed out of the the T5i. It looks like there's an HDMI port in it. I can't tell if that is for viewing videos that have already been taken and pictures that have already been taken, or if it will actually give me a live video. Now there is a thing, have you heard of Magic Lantern? Have not. Um, it's basically, it's like if you jailbreak your camera, then that's what Magic Lantern is. It's a custom ROM for Canon cameras, specifically for Canon cameras, and it is video-centric. Um, so what you can do is you can install this, and now you have the ability to, to change your bitrate, change your encoding settings, um, and, you know, that stuff can make your video a little more high quality. Because the one thing I did not like about the T5i is it looks like it only records in .mov files, in .h264 um, H format, which that's what I use on my computer anyway is H.264 format, but it's not as high quality as like the XHVC or whatever it is. What's the, what's the fancy 4K resolution um, file format that Sony uses? Uh, I don't remember. Hold on a second. There's XAVCS and then there's AVCHD. So those are some... Some, I'm pretty sure it's AVCHD. Yeah, AV. Well, yeah, yeah. Um, I'm looking at the page. Both of those are supported, but AVCHD is the super high quality one, which takes up a lot more space. But obviously, if it takes up more space, then it's higher quality. So yeah, the the T5i does not support AVCHD. It only supports um, H.264 which is going to be a little more lossy in terms of, you know, your... And that, what that affects is, like, if you look at my videos, the sharpness and everything is fine, but if you look at, like, the wall behind me, it's grainy. Like, you can see, like, spots and stuff going around and moving. Whereas, ideally, if you take a video of something that's not moving, then the video will be exactly the same every single frame. Um, so, yeah, I might get... If I were to get the T5i or another Canon DSLR, then I might play around with it for a few months with the stock firmware, and then I might try out Magic Lantern, which would potentially allow me to take a little higher quality video. I have never played with anything but stock firmware on cameras. Yeah, I mean, me neither. I didn't even know. I just learned yesterday that that was even a thing, having a non-stock firmware on cameras, but you just put it on the SD card and then the camera actually supports booting off of the SD card. So yeah, that's cool. So yeah, that's something I'll be thinking about. And obviously that's not just something that affects me, but everyone at the company, if we're going to start doing any sort of live action stuff, I'm not sure if that, like I said, I'm not sure if that even supports doing any um, live streaming. Honestly, Live streaming is going to be compressed because it has to go over our internet connection anyway. So we could do live streaming with a webcam and it would not be like as noticeable because um, unless we're getting an enterprise grade internet connection, at which point we'll be able to afford an actual camera or a better uh, actual camera. But yeah, I would certainly try to get the real camera working for live streaming if we were to get more into live streaming. The big thing is getting the, the clean feed out of the camera. Yeah. Well, yeah, I, I think that we can get, like, the overlays off of the screen. I don't know if we can mirror the screen 
through HDMI though, if that's how that works or not. I'm 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 googling it real quick. Actually, I don't use Google anymore. I have switched to DuckDuckGo because it does not track your IP address or anything when you search. So, just throwing out that out there. Do you use Google? Google and Google Chrome. So. Yeah, I mean, you can use DuckDuckGo and Google Chrome. I'm actually considering switching back to Chrome because Firefox has this bug right now where if I if I open up HTML5 video and then I try and skip anywhere or scrub within the video, then it just crashes the whole browser. I, I If I'm watching HTML5 video, I can play and pause and change the volume, but I cannot scrub. So that's annoying. That actually, who would have thought I prefer Flash to HTML5? I had to go and set my YouTube settings to use Flash again. Uh, live video streaming with the Canon DSLR. Let's see here. I, I probably should not be researching this in the middle of the podcast. I just want to see if, uh, you know... I remember used to Canon used to always say on their DSLRs, "We will never give you guys uh, the clean feed." But I remember hearing somewhere that they did finally kind of <laughs> give up on that and drop firmware that would allow you to do that. But I don't know which cameras support that. Now, why would they? Why would they say specifically that they're not going to support something? Because they want you to buy the more expensive camera. <laughs> Like, it doesn't seem like Canon's really into video. Like, I know they've got some camcorders. Do they have, like, professional-level ha- um, yeah. camcorders? Oh, they do? Yeah, they've got... Uh, well, they're not they're not Sony $50,000 cameras, but they've got, like, you know, $3,000 cameras you know, with, uh, with SDI out and stuff like that. So it's there. It's just they're not as big as Sony, and they want you to purchase that stuff. Yeah. I think I remember I was on that one channel that I sent you where I heard that, but uh, that was a long time ago, so I don't remember exactly what was said. Oh, it looks like there's actually some software you can get for... All right, well, it's written for Windows, but if you can do it in Windows, then, you know, it's possible to do it elsewhere. It looks like there's software you can get that actually does a clean feed into your computer as a webcam from a Canon DSLR. Um, through USB, not even through HDMI, but through USB to a computer. So that's interesting. Yeah, I've never heard of that. That's that's an interesting concept, though. Yeah. Yeah, so, you know, that's not my main... It's not my number one priority this time, this round of camera buying, but I will certainly try to get it working with live streaming if I end up getting that. Uh, Yeah, the main thing will be I need to decide if I'm going to invest that much money into a camera at this point or not because honestly my tech videos are becoming more and more just like screencasting and stuff I don't do hands-on stuff that much because I don't have the money to buy stuff to do hand stuff hands-on stuff with that much um, but yeah I mean the, there's other stuff we could do with live action that would be easier if we were actually in the same room more but yeah so that's that's cameras um, yeah, looking at DSLRs. If we had any viewers, I would say suggest DSLRs, but I don't think we have any viewers or listeners right now. Um, I'll check. All right, you you entertain the audience for a minute. I'm going to check our podcast email address, podcast at nerdonthestreet.com. Well, um, well, I had some fun with uh, Windows today. It's like I was uh, supposed to record like 30 minutes ago, and I had to sit here for 20 minutes and wait for Windows to update. Yeah, I'm pretty much uh, 
done with Windows for a while. I'm going to switch over to Linux. I don't have a problem with Windows. It's just when I got to sit sit there and stare at a progress bar for 20 minutes. It just it just doesn't work for me. All right, I finally succeeded in uh, guessing the password to my email account. Nice. We have one email. It is from iTunes. Uh, to improve your experience with podcasts, we've introduced the following updates and features. Podcasts app included in iOS 8. All right, anyone using iOS 8, look us up on the podcasts app. Um, updated cover art requirements. I'll have to check those out. iTunes affiliate program. Uh, the podcast app now supports HTML links in podcast and episode notes. So now we could actually put our link dump in the iTunes thing rather than using a link dump on our website only. Although, it, all right, so what we can do is we can link to songs, and then if people buy the songs, then we'll get some money for it. But we don't talk about songs, so I don't know why that's there. Custom episode sequence. You podcasts, episodes appear. All right, so now we can change the order of our podcast stuff. So we can put all the crappy ones at the bottom. All right, so that's nice. No fan mail yet. If anyone ever wants to send us anything, if you have questions or just you know concerns, corrections, anything, you guys can email us at podcast at nerdonthestreet.com. Or you can contact any of the people at Nerd on the Street individually by emailing their first name at nerdonthestreet.com. So like Jacob at nerdonthestreet.com, Michael at nerdonthestreet.com. Uh, Michael, when was the last time you signed into your email account? I don't even know. <laughs> we, uh, yeah. When I registered you guys all for the new website, because I knew you guys weren't going to register yourselves for the new website, I went and signed in. I cannot see your passwords in the database, but I can access your email inboxes. So I went to accept the verification email for you. And, um... You, everyone but my like I clean out my email inbox regularly because I look at it every day because when I don't then I get something really important and then miss it um, but I always get a bunch of spam and I always I've got a spam folder we all have spam folders and I sign in to uh, just Michael's is an example but everyone's email account whenever I signed in they all had like a hundred spam messages in the inbox and I had to go through, like, five at a time clearing them out because that's how many it displays on the inbox. Um, so, yeah, it was like, I, I wonder if, I mean, yeah, I don't know why they had so, because they weren't even listed anywhere. Those email addresses were not even listed anywhere. Now they are on the website, but before they weren't. And, yeah, they all had a ton of spam. So, yeah, uh, time to shift gears, I guess, and talk about the website. We can talk more about cameras in the future. Um... Yeah, I, Michael knows about the new website. Did I talk about the new website on the last podcast? Uh, I don't think you did. So there's a new website, and I made a video about it the other day, so I won't talk too much about it, but some behind-the-scenes stuff going on. Um, this time for the website, instead of using the Nerd on the Street web server for the emails or the Nerd on the Street email server for the emails, they're actually the same server. Don't tell anyone. Um... I used Gmail for the emails, the activation emails, because when I tried to use my server for the activation emails, um, something was going wrong in the content management system software, and it wasn't able to send any emails. So, yeah, I decided, okay, and I, I um, spent about three hours di trying to diagnose that, 
and then I decided to just use Gmail instead. So I registered knots.forums at gmail.com. And I that's going to be where um, emails from the website comes from now. And before I made the video, I decided, okay, I should make sure that, that people can sign up. Um, the, the signups working so I made a test account and it wouldn't send me the email so then I spent like two hours trying to figure out why it wasn't sending the email I thought it was something wrong with the the CMS software again but um, it was actually I had the website in beta mode for like a week and then I had the website was active for like two weeks before I decided to make the video on it so in the two weeks that it was active we had probably 300 spam accounts registered. Um, there were only like 40 of them that actually went and accepted the email like thing that where it tells you to click on the link and activate. So that's just weird that some of them were actually activating their accounts and they're still active because I didn't want to you know, delete it, real accounts. So we've got a bunch of spam accounts signed up right now, but they're not posting spam, so it's okay. But yeah, we had literally 300 to 400 spam accounts sign up and most of them were using email addresses that weren't even actual email addresses so what happened was the gmail account ended up sending around 250 to 300 emails that were not able to be delivered and because of that it locked me out of the gmail account for 24 hours so in the past, spam accounts I've always just dealt with on a case-by-case -case basis. I've always been like, okay, I'll just delete spam accounts when they happen. But, you know, I don't want to have problems of that scale. I decided that I would deal with the spam account problem, you know? Yeah, you don't want to sit there for like four hours. <laughs> yeah. Um, so what I did was I did sit there for four hours, but I sat there for four hours making the website better. So what I did was I implemented a number of ways to stop spam accounts from signing up and they can still be manually signed up but it's a bit more of a pain so anyone who um, is running a website I'm not going to give any CMS specific tips because it varies from CMS to CMS the tools that you can use but yeah these are some of the ways that we stop spam here at Nerd on the Street uh, first of all obviously you need to require sign up people to enter an email address and you need to send an email to the email address and have them um, have them open a link. However, some email services online exist just to get around activation emails. There are things like 10minutemail.com, 30minutemail.com, um, don'tspamme.com, spammenot.com. And those what those websites do is they just give you temporary email addresses to use for websites and you don't want to deal with those. So there are two ways that you can, can deal with fake email accounts right off the bat. First of all, you can get a plugin that limits the email uh, domains that people can use. So you can whitelist some of them. And with the whitelist, you can say, okay, only people with Gmail, Yahoo, or Outlook.com, or iCloud.com are able to sign up. Nobody else can sign up but people with those four email accounts. Um, I consider doing that, but some people might not want to use those because of, you know, security concerns. Um, a lot of people are switching to smaller email providers. So because of that, I decided that instead of a whitelist, I could do a blacklist. Um, so your content management system might have built in an email domain blacklist 
where you can say, okay, anything from 10minutemail.com or don'tspamthis.com, um, block any email from those domains. Don't let users sign up with those. And that's what I'm doing right now. And right now, just whenever someone uses a fake email address to sign up, whenever anyone signs up, then if the email domain looks unfamiliar, then I go to it and see what it is. And if it's one of those fake temporary email websites, then I go and block that. So yeah, I'm pretty sure most major content management systems have that functionality built in. The The system that we were using previously actually did not have that built in, but I contacted the developer and he showed me how to implement it myself. So that was cool. And I think I talked about that on the podcast before. Um, but yeah, so first of all, limit your email domains. Make sure that people are not signing up with fake email domains. Um, next up, uh, you need a CAPTCHA enabled. I actually was using Google CAPTCHA, which um, you'd think that like an anti-spam thing provided by Google would be pretty sufficient, right? Yeah, you would think. It actually, somehow the bots were getting past the Google CAPTCHA. So I recommend using the Google CAPTCHA rather than whatever your CMS has enabled. Sometimes content management systems have their own CAPTCHAs that you can do. And the CAPTCHA is like when it gives you the weird looking letters and you have to type them in. Um, but yeah, I recommend using a third party one. The Google one works great. However, yeah, that doesn't really, it doesn't stop spam bots altogether. So my content management system has built in a feature where you can do security questions that people have to answer. So what I did was I put in uh, what is 5 plus 5, but I spelled out 5 plus 5. Um, and then they have to put in 10 and they can either put, you know, they can spell it out or they can put the number, it doesn't matter. But computers are not going to be able to tell what the question is and that was not the default security question so it's not going to be programmed into any robots. So yeah, using a security question with only one or two answers is another way that you can block spam bots. Finally, you can add extra required fields. Um, most spam bots are designed, they're programmed to put in any of the required fields, but they don't put in any unrequired fields. They don't put in like bios or, or like aim accounts or anything that they're not required to put in. So if you put required fields, for instance, I put in first name and last name so that I could track people down if they were causing problems. Um, I put those in as required fields for when people sign up. So now if a spam bot goes to try and sign up, it won't know what to do when it gets the fields called first name and last name. So it will probably leave them blank. Um, if I ever see someone with the gibberish first and last name, then I'll be pretty sure that they're fake accounts. But yeah, um, add extra required fields. That will be another hurdle. And we have not gotten a single spam bot sign up since I did that. So I would say that's successful. I would agree. We actually have not gotten any sign up since I did that. So maybe it worked a little too well because all of our signups were spam bots. But yeah, um, I think the new website looks nice. I think if we start doing live streams and stuff, it'll attract more people. I agree. I, I like the new website. It's a lot less, like, cluttered. Yeah. Yeah, I was actually going to use an IRC chat room um, for the chat on the live stream page. But the problem with that is uh, people can use whatever um, whatever nicknames they want in IRC chat rooms. And I wanted it to be locked to where you have to use your name on the website so that that way I can ban people and I would have... 
I would have access to like who everyone is talking in the chat room. So yeah, I ended up using a Shoutbox plugin instead. But yeah, in the future, I spent like two hours that day that I made that decision researching how IRC rooms work. So we might end up opening an IRC room in the future. Once we get super into live streaming and we're doing it every day, we won't need to do that for quite a while. But yeah, an IRC chat room would be an interesting adventure. So yeah, um, that was the only thing I wanted to talk about with the website was the anti-spam thing that took me a little bit and I figured I would share the methods I used for fellow webmasters. I don't think there's anything else I really want to talk about. Anything you wanted to bring up this week? Uh, I didn't have anything. Uh, I was just, uh, the cameras was the only thing I wanted to talk about. Hmm. Unless you want to talk some more about live streaming and stuff like that. Uh, sure. What about it? I thought have of you a... seen... Sorry, go ahead. I thought of a show we could do. What? Um, at least one we could do, like, it, you know, we would have different shows, but one that we might be able to do, like, semi-soon, um, depending on our equipment and our availability and stuff, is most Friday nights, I'm not doing anything. I know this week you were, but, like, are you doing stuff most Friday nights? Uh, depends on the week. We could do, like... The more I'm thinking about this, the more it sounds unoriginal, but, like, hear me out. We we could do, like, Friday night hangouts specifically for people who have no lives, such as myself. And then we that would be, like, the niche would be people who don't have real friends to go to hang out with. They can come to the Nerd on the Street Friday night hangout. And it it could be, like, more of a social-based show rather than focused on the hosts. What were you talking about? I'm sure it was much more important. I was just have you seen the red live stream boxes that you don't need a PC to live stream with? Yes. What do you think of those? Uh, I think they're freaking expensive. I think they would probably be very nice to use. The one time I used one, it crashed on me twice. What? The, all right. Uh, so you use those for your church, right? Yeah. We well, what we do is um, for our youth group stuff. He does. He only has two memory cards because those memory cards for those Sony cameras are really freaking expensive. So oh yeah, yeah, it's insane. They're like three hundred dollars. Like, they're like SSDs, but they've got proprietary connectors because it's like flash, so, isn't it? Yeah, it's flash, and I don't know what the exact technology they use is, but they're 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 huge memory cards and they're really expensive. So what he has us do is uh, he just does HDMI out of the camera to the live stream box to record that and. I sat there and played with that thing for 20 minutes. It wouldn't accept an internet connection at first, and then I, it crashed on me once. So I don't know if it was just that day or what, but now we lost the power supply for it, so I haven't been able to test it again. I mean, with the amount of money that they charge for those, they have to like work if, if you mess with them enough. Now, you, um, are you talking about the live stream branded live stream box, or was it a red brand thing? No, it was a it was a live stream branded live stream box. Oh, you said red. It confused me, but yeah, live stream is red. I know. Um, that's that's interesting. I would not have expected that you would have problems with those working. And it could have been the internet connection in the building. I mean, we have a decent internet connection. It's a twenty down, twenty up internet connection. Uh, so I, I don't know what the issue was. It, it could have just been the cables. There's so many sketchy cables in that building. It's not even funny. Yeah, there really are.
Well, I, you saw you saw. Upstairs. You should there. do like it's, a it's vlog. Insane. You should like sneak, sneak a vlog and just show some uh, cable stuff there or something. I don't know. I wouldn't even have to sneak it. He'd let me go up there during the week and do it if I wanted to. <laughs> yeah, it's a, the audio setup in that building is a little. Uh, yeah. Hey, it's a lot better though. They when they went they switched over to digital audio. They, it went from they they cut about half of the XLRs out of the the rack because it's all Cat Five audio now. Ah. Have you heard about that at all? The the sending digital audio over Cat Five cables. Yeah. I mean, you can send a lot. Like, I think one of the snakes we have sends 32 inputs and 8 outputs over one cable, which is just, that's awesome considering it's, you can carry that around instead of, like, a 40-pound, like, 300-pound bundle of cables. It's so much better. Yeah. Um, definitely support the the digital stuff over analog also it can go yeah a lot farther because it doesn't need to you don't have to worry about signal degradation it's just you know ones and zeros yep no no interference either because it's all digital as well yeah uh, can you how many can you send over usb because usb isn't i know usb is like 128 different wires but then I don't know how many of those US, um, how many of those audio uses. I don't. I know you can send most interfaces that I see until you get a lot of the cheaper interfaces are USB. I've seen up to eight, but you can send over FireWire a lot more. So I can imagine that you'd be able to send a lot more over USB than eight. Hmm. Well, yeah. Um, I'm trying to think if we were to start doing regular live streams like me and you, how we would go about doing that. I mean, Mumble works for audio, but in terms of like video, I I don't know. I also don't know what other shows we would do, but you know, we don't have time for very many right now. Something to think about for the future. Yeah. I, I was looking into cameras, but I think I'm going to get a mic that's not an iPod Touch before I get a camera. Ah, yeah. Yeah, that, that would be nice. You still looking at XLRs? Yeah. Mm. And I USB mics are great, but just I want, I want the uh, later or down the road, I want to be able to plug it into a mixer if I need to. Yeah. Yeah, I get your uh, your forward thinking with that, or your future proofing, um, which is like the same as I would be thinking in the future. I want to be able to switch to 4K video once everyone has 4K monitors. At the same time, I don't have two thousand bucks, but if you have enough money for an XLR mic, then yeah, that's that's fine. Yeah, the XLR mics, like I was looking at the Blue Spark, which there's a USB version, but there's also an XLR version, and that one's two hundred dollars, and then. The one I'm gonna get, I gotta look. Let me see what it, it's a Rode. I've heard there's what's the, it's just called like the Rode video mic or something. That's a shotgun Rode mic podcast. that. Oh, oh yeah, I've heard of the podcaster too. That's a different form factor. Uh, there's the one I was looking at was the Rode N NT one A, and it's only thirty dollars more. So I figure, why not? Let's see here. Looks legit. Uh, the guy at my church recommended it to me because I was asking him about the blue microphone. It's like, oh, what do you think about them? And he yeah. goes, they're, they're good, but you'll find this one is better. So I go, man, eh, 
He probably knows what he's talking about. <laughs> so what um what interface are you gonna use? Just an icicle? He recommended me he recommended one from M Audio. It's a uh it's got two channels and it's eighty dollars. Hmm. I've heard people who don't even like blue microphones that have said the icicle is still a high quality interface, but yeah, I don't think interfaces are really I mean, they either work or they don't. I know there's some quality involved, but... So yeah, that is the latest on Nerd on the Street production. Um, more to come on the live streaming technology, not so much execution. But um, yeah, more to come on cameras, because Black Friday is next week. Do you do anything for Black Friday? Uh, usually not, because I don't have a lot of money. <laughs> yeah, well, what me and Adam do... Uh, me and Adam always go out for the past few years. We've gone out and just went to like the opening ceremonies for Black Friday sales at just like three or four different stores just to look around, not even to get anything. Like one time I got a laptop case that wasn't even on sale. But yeah, we uh, we just wait in lines just for fun. Nice. So yeah, I'll have to bug him about doing that again. I'll see him on this. Yeah, next Saturday. So yeah, that's um, Earn of the Street production. Yeah, except we're not Nerd on the Street Productions, we're just Nerd on the Street, because I think it's silly that every company ever has productions in the name. We know that we do productions, we don't need to put it in our company name. That's all for now, though. I'm Jacob Kaufman. I'm Michael Chanel. And we'll see you guys next time. See ya. See ya.